0: Welcome to today's podcast. Today's podcast is part two of the Neville Goddard lecture. Consciousness is the only reality. Neville gave a series of five lectures in 1948. Consciousness is the only reality was the first lecture. This is a rather long lecture. So for the purpose of the podcast, it will be split into approximately four parts. If you have not listen to uh, part one of Consciousness is the Only Reality, I would recommend going back and listening to that uh, initial podcast. Okay, so let's get started. Part two, Consciousness is the Only Reality. Our next story is in the 38th chapter of the book of Genesis. Here's a king whose name is Judah. The first three letters of whose name also begins, Jad-Heva. Tamar is his daughter-in-law. The word Tamar means a palm tree, or the most beautiful, the most comely. She is gracious and beautiful to look on and is called a palm tree. A tall, stately palm tree blossoms even in the desert. Wherever it is, there is an oasis. When you see the palm tree in the desert, there will be found what you seek most in that parched land. There is nothing more desirable to a man moving across a desert than the sight of a palm tree. In our case, to be practical, our our objective is the palm tree, that is, the stately, beautiful one that we seek. Whatever it is that you and I want, what we truly desire, is personified in the story as Tamar the Beautiful. We are told she dresses herself in the veils of a harlot. And sits in the public place. Her father-in-law, King Judah, comes by and he is so in love with this one who is veiled that he offers her a kid to be intimate with her. She said, what will you give me as a pledge that you will give me a kid? Looking around, he said, what do you want me to give you as a pledge? She answered, give me your ring, give me your bracelets and give me your staff. Whereupon he took from his hand the ring and the bracelet and gave them to her along with his scepter, and he went in unto her and knew her, and she bore him a son. That is the story. Now for the interpretation. Man has one gift that is truly his to give, and that is himself. He has no other gift, as told you in the very first creative act of Adam, begetting the woman out of himself. There was no other substance in the world but himself, with which he could fashion the object of his desire. In like manner, Judah had but one gift that was truly his to give, himself, as the ring, the bracelets, and the staff symbolized, for these were the symbols of his kingship. Man offers that which is not himself, but life demands that he give the one thing that symbolizes himself. Give me your ring. Give me your bracelet. Give me your scepter. These make the king. When he gives them, he gives of himself. You are the, are the great king Judah. Before you can know your Tamar and make her bear your likeness in the world, you must go into, go in unto her and give of self. Suppose I want security. I cannot get it by knowing people who have it. I cannot get it by pulling strings. I must become conscious of being secure. Let us say I want to be healthy. Pills will not do it. Diet or climate will not do it. I must become conscious of being healthy by assuming the feeling of being healthy. Perhaps perhaps I want to be lifted up in this world. Merely looking at kings and presidents and noble people and living in their reflection will not make make me dignified. I must become conscious of being noble and dignified and walk as though I were that which I now want to be. When I walk in that light, I give of myself to the image that haunted my mind, and in time she bears me a child, which means I objectify a world in harmony with that which I am conscious of being. You are King Judah, and you are also Tamar, when you become conscious of being That which you want to be, you are to mark. Then you crystallize your desire within the world round about you. No matter what stories you read in the Bible, no matter how many characters these ancient storytellers introduced into the drama, there is one thing that you and I must always bear in mind. They all take place within the mind of the individual man. All the characters live in the mind of the individual man. As you read the story... Make it fit the pattern of self. Know that your consciousness is the only reality. Then know what you want to be. Then assume the feeling of being that which you want to be and remain faithful to your assumption. Living and acting on your conviction, always make it fit the pattern. Our third interpretation is the story of Isaac and his two sons, Esau and Jacob. The picture is drawn of a blind man being deceived by his second son into giving him the blessing which belonged to his first son. The story stresses the point that the deception was accomplished through the sense of touch. And Isaac said unto Jacob, Come near. I pray thee that I may feel thee, my son, whether thou be my very son Esau or not. And Jacob went near unto Isaac, his father, and he felt him. And it came to pass, as soon as Isaac had made an end of blessing Jacob, and Jacob was yet scarce gone out from the presence of Isaac's father, that Esau, his brother, came in from his hunting. Genesis 27, 21, and 30. The story can be very helpful if you will reenact it now. Again, bear in mind that all the characters of the Bible are personifications of abstract ideas, and must be fulfilled in the individual man. You are the blind father and both sons. Isaac is old and blind, and sensing the approach of death, calls his first son Esau a rough, hairy boy, and sends him into the woods, that he may bring in some venison. The second son, Jacob, a smooth-skinned boy, overheard the request of his father. Desiring the birthright of his brother. Jacob, the smooth-skinned boy or the smooth-skinned son, slaughtered one of his father's flock and skinned it. Then, depressed in the hairy skins of the kid he had slaughtered, he came through subtly or he came yeah, he came through subtly and betrayed his father into believing that he was Esau. The father said, "Come close, my son, that I may feel you; I cannot see." But come that I may feel. Note the stress that is placed upon feeling in this story. He came close and the father said to him, The voice is Jacob's voice, but the hands are the hands of Esau, and the feeling is roughness, the reality of the son Esau. He pronounced the blessing and gave it to Jacob. You are told in the story that as Isaac pronounced the blessing and Jacob had scarcely gone out from his presence, that his brother Esau came in from his hunting. This is an important verse. Do not become distressed in our practical approach to it, for as you sit here, you too are Isaac. This room in which you are seated is your present Esau. This is the rough or sensibly known world known by reason of your bodily organs. All of your senses bear witness to the fact that you are here in this room. Everything tells you that you are here, but perhaps you do not want to be here. You can apply this toward any objective. The room in which you are seated at any time, the environment in which you are placed, this is your rough or sensibly known world or sun, which is personified in the story of Esau. What you would like in place of what you have or are is your smooth-skinned state of Jacob. The supplanter. You do not send your visible world hunting, as so many people do, by denial. By saying it does not exist, you make it all the more real. Instead, you simply remove your attention from the region of sensation, which at this moment is a room round about you. And you concentrate your attention on that which you want to put in its place. That which you want to make real. In concentrating on your objective, the secret is to bring it here. You must make elsewhere here and then now imagine that your objective is so close that you can feel it. Suppose at this very moment I want a piano here in this room. To see a piano in my mind's eye existing elsewhere does not do it but to visualize it in this room as though it were here and to put my mental hand upon the piano and to feel it solidly real is to take that subjective state personified as my second son and bring it so close that I can feel it. Isaac is called a blind man. You are blind because you do not see your objective with your bodily organs. You cannot see it with your objective senses. You only perceive it with your mind, but you bring it so close that you can feel it as though it were solidly real now. When this is done and you lose yourself in its reality and you feel it to be real, open your eyes. When you open your eyes, what happens? The room that you had shut out but a moment ago returns from the hut. You no sooner gave the blessing, felt the imaginary state to be real, than the objective world, which seemingly was unreal, returns. It does not speak to you with words as recorded of Esau, but the very room round about you tells you by its presence that you have been self-deceived. It tells you that when you lost yourself into contemplation, feeling that you weren't now What you wanted to be, feeling that you now possess, what you desire to possess, that you were simply deceiving self. Look at this room. It denies that you are elsewhere. If you know the law, you now say, even though your brother came through subtly and betrayed me and took your birthright, I gave him your blessing, and I cannot retract. In other words, you remain faithful to the subjective reality, and you do not take back from it the power of birth. You gave it the right of birth and it is going to become objective within this world of yours. There is no room in this limited space of yours for two things to occupy the same space at the same time. By making this objective real it resurrects itself within your world. Take the idea that you want to embody and assume that you are already it. Lose yourself in the feeling or in feeling this assumption is solidly real. As you give it the sense of reality, you have given it the blessing which belongs to the objective world, and you do not have to aid its birth any more than you have to aid the birth of a child or seed you plant in the ground. The seed you plant grows unaided by a man, for it contains within itself all the power and all the plans necessary for self-expression. You can this night reenact the drama of Isaac blessing his second son and see what happens in the immediate future in your world. Your present environment vanishes, all the circumstances of life, or of life change, and make way for the coming of that to which you have given your life. As you walk, knowing that you are what you wanted to be, you objectify it without the assistance of another. The fourth story for tonight is taken from the last of the books attributed to Moses. If you need proof that Moses did not write it, read the story carefully. It is found in the 34th chapter of the book of Deuteronomy. Ask any priest or rabbi who is the author of this book, and they will tell you that Moses wrote it. In the 34th chapter of Deuteronomy, you will read of a man writing his own obituary. That is, Moses wrote this chapter. A man may sit down and write what he would like to have placed upon his tombstone. But here is a man who writes his own obituary. And then he dies and so completely rubs himself out that he devised posterity to find where he has buried himself, so Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, according to the word of the Lord, and he buried him in a valley in the land of Moab over against Beth, Peor, but no man knoweth of his sub, of his sepulture unto this day, and Moses was a hundred and twenty years old when he died, his eyes was not his eye was not dim nor his natural force abated. Deuteronomy 34, 5, 6, and 7. You must this night, not tomorrow, learn the technique of writing your own obituary and so completely die to what you are that no man in this world can tell you where you buried the old man. If you are now ill and you become well, and I know you by reason of the fact that you are ill, Where can you point and tell me you buried the sick one? If you are impoverished and borrowed from every friend you have, and then suddenly you roll in wealth, where did you bury the poor man? You so completely rub out poverty in your mind's eye that there is nothing in this world you can point to and claim, that is where I left it. A complete transformation of consciousness rubs out all evidence that anything other than this ever existed in the world. The most beautiful technique for the realization or for the realizing of man's objective is given in the first verse of the 34th chapter of Deuteronomy. And, man, and Moses went up from the plains of Moab unto the mountain of Nebo, to the top of Pisgah that is over against Jericho, and the Lord shewed him all the land of um, Gilead unto Dan. You read that verse and say, So what? But take a concordance and look up the words. The first word, Moses, means to draw out, to rescue, to lift out, to fetch. In other words, Moses is a personification of the power in man that can be drawn out of man, that which he seeks, for everything comes from within, not from without. You draw from within yourself that which you now want to express as something objective to yourself. You are Moses coming out of the plains of Moab. The word Moab is a contradiction of two, he- two Hebraic words, Mem and Ab, meaning mother father. Your consciousness is the mother father. There is no other cause in the world. Your I amness, your awareness, is the Moab or mother father. You are always drawing something out of it. The next word is Nebo. In your concordance, Nebo is defined as a prophecy. A prophecy is something objective. If I say, so and so will be, it is an image in the mind, it is not yet a fact. We must wait and either prove or disprove this prophecy. In our language, Nebo, is your wish, your desire. It is called a mountain because it is something that appears difficult to ascend and is therefore seemingly impossible of realization. A mountain is something bigger than you are. It towers over you. Nebo personifies that which you want to be in in contrast to that which you are. The word pisgah, it's spelled P-I-S-G-A-H by definition, is to contemplate. Jericho is a fragrant odor. And Gilead means the hills of witnesses. The last word is Dan the prophet. Now put them all together in a practical sense and see what the ancients tried to tell us. As I stand here, having discovered that my consciousness is God, and that I can, by simply feeling that I am what I want to be, transform myself into the likeness of that which I am assuming I am, I I know now that I am all that it takes to scale this mountain. I define my objective. I do not call it Nebo. I call it my desire. Whatever I want, that is my Nebo. That is my great mountain that I am going to scale. I now begin to contemplate it, for I shall climb to the peak of Pisgah, or Pisgah. I must contemplate my objective in such a manner that I get the reaction that satisfies. If I do not get the reaction that pleases, then Jericho is not seen, for Jericho is a fragrant, fragrant odor. When I feel that I am what I want to be, I cannot suppress the joy that comes with that feeling. I must always contemplate my objective until I get the feeling of satisfaction, personified as Jericho. Then I do nothing to make it visible in my world, for the hills of Gilead, meaning men, women, children, the whole vast world round about me, come bearing witness. They come to testify that I am what I have assumed myself to be and am sustaining within myself, when my world conforms to my assumption that prophecy is fulfilled. If I now know what I want to be and assume that I am it and walk as though I am or walk as though I were, I become it and becoming it so completely died to my former concept of self that I cannot point to any place in this world and say that is where my former self is buried. I so completely die that I defy posterity to ever find where I buried my old self. There must be someone in this room who will so completely transform himself in this world that his close immediate circle friends will not recognize him. For 10 years, I was a dancer in Broadway shows, in vaudeville, nightclubs, and in Europe. There was a time in my life when I thought I could not live without certain friends in my world. I would spread a table every night after the theater, and we would all dine well. I thought I could never live without them now i confess i could not live with them or live with them we have nothing in common today when we met we do not purposely walk or when we meet we do not purposely walk on the opposite side of the street but it is almost a cold meeting because we have nothing to discuss i have so died to that life that as i meet these people they cannot even talk of the old times but there are people living today Who are still living in this in that state, getting poorer and poorer. They always like to talk about the old times. They never buried that man at all. He's very much alive within the world. Moses was 120 years a full, wonderful age, as 120 indicates. One plus two plus zero equals three, the numerical symbol of expression. I'm fully conscious of my expression. My eyes are undimmed, and the natural functions of my body are not abated. I am fully conscious of being what I do not want to be. But knowing this law by which a man transforms himself, I assume that I am what I want to be and walk in the, in the assumption that it is done. In becoming it, the old man dies, and all that was related to that former concept of self dies with it. You cannot take any part of the old man into this new man cannot put new wine in old bottles or new patches on old garments. You must be a new being completely. As you assume that you are what you want to be, you do not need the assistance of another to make it so. Neither do you need the assistance of another to bury the old man for you, or bury the old man for you. Let the dead bury the dead. Do not even look back, for no man having put his hand to the plough, and then, looking back, is fit for the kingdom of heaven. Do not ask yourself how this thing is going to be. It does not matter if your reason denies it. It does not matter if all the world round about you denies it. You do not have to bury the old. Let the dead bury the dead. you will be you will so bury the past by remaining faithful to your new concept of self that you will defy the old or you will defy the whole vast. Future to find where you buried it. To this day, no man in all of Israel has discovered the sepulcher of Moses. Okay, that concludes part two of Neville Goddard's f- first lesson in 1948 Consciousness is the only reality. Okay, we'll continue with part three in next week's podcast. Thank you for joining me, and I will. Um, see you back for next week's podcast.